listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. Well, good morning. I hope you're glad to be here with us today. We are certainly glad you're here. You know, whenever you begin a good story, you, you, you get engaged with it. You become a part of it. You see the scenery in your mind. You begin to form what these characters look like. And then when you get close to the climax and the, and the story comes to its place of conclusion, we look for those last two words that are printed often in larger font at the end of the last paragraph, and those words are called the end. Well, today we're coming to the conclusion of a journey that we've been on for quite some time. November the 29th of 2020, we began a journey through the Gospel of Luke. Over 70 weeks in the Gospel of Luke, most of which you can still find on YouTube, on our YouTube channel, if you missed any of those. I, I, would, I would ask you to raise your hand if you've been here for every one of those weeks, but that would be silly because I've not even been here for every one of those weeks. You've heard from myself. You've heard from Chad Greer. You've heard from Greg Morris. You've heard from Mike Kennan a time or two. You've heard from Michael Shannon, and then you also once heard in the Gospel of Luke from one of our missionaries, our missionary to Alaska, Doug Schultz. So you've heard from a lot of presenters. We've been in this book for, for longer than we've been anywhere else in all of my years here at Oasis Church. And you know what? I don't apologize one minute for that. Because I think we didn't even scratch the surface of what could be found in the Gospel that we call Luke. Luke began his gospel with these words in chapter number 1, verse number 1. Luke says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you've been taught. The gentleman we know by the name of Luke, a companion of Paul, a historian by trade, a physician by trade, has taken it upon himself to compile these things that have been handed to him through eyewitness testimony and validated written documents. He's compiled a story. Like Matthew, Mark, and John, Luke compiled the story of our Lord Jesus Christ. He showed us in unique fashion how the announcement of Jesus' birth would come. And how that would affect those two, whether one teenager and her espoused husband. How that was going to enter into the world with his birth, with, with great pomp and circumstance from the heavenly host, but with a very small audience, just a few shepherds on a hillside. 
We see Jesus' induction, if you will, into ministry. We see him gathering the disciples that will follow him most closely. We watch him as he ministers and communicates the message of the kingdom to those that are in Galilee. And then he makes the announcement that it's time to move south toward Jerusalem where he will be betrayed, rejected, crucified, but raised on the third day. Luke showed us as he walked that journey and taught his disciples and faced opposition. We see as Jesus entered into Jerusalem as the triumphant king on the back of a donkey that had never been ridden. With great announcement that blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We watch as during that week Jesus encounters the most heated opposition from those that hate his message Those that hate the ramifications of who he claims to be. And then we watch as Jesus surrenders himself to the authorities that are completely in the wrong. To those who have illegally tried him and unjustly uh, condemned him. We watch as Jesus offers himself. We saw him not too many weeks ago. As he was laid on the cross of one who deserved that execution, but was set free on behalf of the one who took his place. We watched as he bled and died. We heard him speak words of compassion and forgiveness to those who had no idea exactly what they were doing. We watched as he cried out to his father to receive his spirit. Last week, Chad took you through the evidence of proof that he died. He indeed was buried. There's no denying that fact. But you saw again last week the indisputable evidence that Jesus has been raised. At Easter, we say a phrase and you say something back. At Easter time, we say, he is risen and you say... And we'll celebrate that every Sunday we get together because ultimately that's what we're here about. Having seen history's central event on the cross, God the Son, the speaker of creation, becoming the suffering servant, the sacrifice, the Lamb of God in our place for our sin. And then we see that bright morning When he is raised victorious, the proof that everything he said is indeed the fact and that he is the one, he is the only one that can stand in that place as God's anointed, as God the Son, King of Kings. But today, we still have a little shadow of confusion in the ranks Luke's going to show us. Even midst all that you've heard and all that you've learned and all that you have seen, those that were closest to Jesus were still walking in a bit of a fog. We're going to give them a little bit of leeway. A lot's happened in their life. A lot has changed. A lot of their expectations have been dashed. A lot of the things they were hoping have been crushed. And then all of a sudden they've been given information about something that their minds just cannot process. 
I think mostly because they had seen him executed. And and a Roman execution was not something you could even recover from. If, like some in the history departments of of some of our our major leading universities today say that if, if anything, he just wasn't dead and he was somehow resuscitated. You see, there was one thing that the Romans were good at. And that was occupying just about wherever they wanted to be. And then there was something that they were excellent at, and that was executing people. Nobody survived the Roman execution, and they watched him. They saw him. They knew he had been brutally crucified. And now they're being told by women, nonetheless, Nobody believes the women. Their voice doesn't even count in a courtroom. And they're telling us something we're supposed to believe that makes no sense at all. Don't you like how God kind of turns that social construct upside down and says, let me show you how much I value the women. I'm going to let them tell y'all what's happening. It's ladies, you should need to go like that right there. Thank you, Lord. Get to be a part of those ranks. That's awesome. He loves y'all. He don't love you more. He just loves you as much, right? We're all one in him. How, how is this possible? How can I know, I know what Jesus said. I got to go see for myself. And Chad led you as the two ran to the tomb. Looked inside and saw it just like the lady said. Nobody. Andy Stanley coined the, the phrase that the one thing that was true for everybody is that nobody expected nobody. They were all confused. I like how he does that. One of these days, maybe I'll be as smart as him. Doubt it. Nobody expected him to be gone, even though that's exactly what he said would happen. And so there was confusion. And so Luke brings volume one to a conclusion by showing some continuing instructions of our Lord to those that were walking into a fog, trying to figure out what was going on. We're going to see in this last few verses of chapter 24, the Scripture is interpreted, minds are opened, mission is defined, and Jesus is worshipped. That very day, Luke tells us, Luke chapter 24, verse number 13, that very day, the very day that had been announced that We've gone to the tomb, first day of the week, and there's nobody. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus. Luke tells us it's about seven miles from Jerusalem. If you follow in the ESV, you'll see the note down at the bottom that the word he uses for about seven miles is 60 stadia, which is a a Greek uh, unit of measure. And, And it's a 60 stadia. If a stadia was about 60 feet, and you are 600 feet, then you multiply those and you get about seven miles. A distance you could walk. You wouldn't like get excited about walking seven miles, but you could do it. And if they were used to it, then it probably wouldn't have been that big a deal. We're not really sure where Emmaus is now. But these two were walking from Jerusalem to this village. They were talking with each other about these things that had happened, verse 14. Of course they were. They were confused. They were bewildered. 
While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. You stop right there, you would think, they're going crazy now. In your mind, I don't know what you're imagining, but right now in our culture, there's a, a lot of zombie stuff going on, you know? And, and if, if you're thinking with your 2022 mind, you might think of Jesus, you know, sliding his foot. That's not what happened. That's not what they were seeing. Just some guy come up with them. And hey, we got seven miles. We got time to kill. And, and hospitality was very common in that time. So a, a traveler came up. He was walking alone. I'm going to walk with you guys. What are you guys talking about? But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. That's a passive idea that Luke says. So the idea is that they were unable to recognize him. Jesus wasn't wearing glasses and a funny nose with a mustache. That wasn't what was happening. This was more of a supernatural type of thing. Where, where his, his identity was cloaked, if you will. And so they weren't able to recognize him. And he said to them, verse 17... So what y'all talking about? What's the conversation you're holding with each other as you walk? And, and I love what Luke says. And they stood still looking sad. And this guy says, hey, what are y'all talking about? And they just stopped. And he looked at this guy. And they're like, are, are you serious? Where, where have you come from? Where, where, where have you been? Then one of them named Cleopas answered him are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happen there in these days have you been asleep for the last two days have you been hiding have you just come to town or have you just not been paying attention where have you been verse 19 he said to them what things I love it I love it if anybody knows what happened in the last few days in Jerusalem, it's Jesus. He experienced every second of what happened. But he wants them to tell it. Oh, you, you tell me what happened. What, what, what things? And they said to him, you know, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, put your theological caps on and look what they say about him. A man. You know, one of the early church controversies was over the humanity of Jesus. Whether or not God the Son was actually human or if He just appeared to be human. That was ultimately squashed and, and creeds were stated that no, He was like you and me with one exception, no sin. They recognized this, this was a man, Jesus, the one from Nazareth, who was a prophet. At this point, they just see him as, well, we, we got to know him, he was a man, he was prophesying, he was saying some things like we've had other prophets before, but this one was mighty in deed and word before God and people. So not only was he prophet, but this guy was doing miracles. Have you not, are you serious? You've not heard of Jesus of Nazareth, the prophet, the miracle worker, the upside down preacher, turning the, the leaders of the synagogues and the temple's message upside down. Seriously? Where have you been? 
And our own chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. That's what's happened. This great man, this great prophet, this miracle-working teacher has been put to death by our own religious leaders. But here's the kicker, verse 21. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. We thought he was it. We, we thought he was Messiah. We thought he was the one. Besides all this, it's now the third day since these things happened. And to make matters worse, moreover, verse 22, some of the women of our, comp- of our company have amazed us. They've come gibbering on about something that we just can't process They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. I don't know. It's bizarre. We don't get it. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him... They did not see. That's that's what's going on. That's what's got us all beside ourselves. We're we're, we're just, we're a little messed up. We don't get what's happening. It's all unraveling around us. Verse 25. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. What Jesus does is he begins to come back to them with a response that says, you guys weren't paying attention in synagogue class when you were coming up. I know for a fact the prophets were read I know for a fact the Psalms were studied. I know for a fact the words of Moses were taught over and over. In fact, you could probably quote vast chapters of the Old Testament, if not entire books, because of your teaching. But you don't get it. You're slow to believe. Your hearts are confused. Your minds are not enlightened. Was it not necessary, Jesus said, that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And I'm sure the guys were like, I don't know. We didn't think so. Well, honestly, we don't really know. We, We don't know what to tell you. And beginning with Moses... And all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. You ever ever thought you knew something about something? And then you came into the presence of someone who really knew something about that thing you thought you knew about? It's, It's... a little bit embarrassing, 
When you start talking about that thing, it happens to me all the time, okay? Because I had a chance to go study at a place where really smart people went and studied, but I also got in, okay? And I also spent some time there, and, and I treaded water most days in the classroom, and they had grace and a whole lot of mercy, gave me a diploma. And I get around folks that really know theology. And I begin to th- say things that, that I think I know, and then they begin to use terminology that I never knew because I didn't catch that when the professor even said it the first time. And I start realizing, what you need to do is to be quiet <laughs> and listen because they know a whole lot more about what you're, you think you're talking about than you do. You've had that happen. But at the same time, you get past the embarrassment There's a whole lot of excitement that goes on when you really start going, oh, oh, okay, I've been wondering about that. How did that, had no idea those things were, yes. And then what I do is I come back and I tell it to y'all. Y'all don't know that I got told. It's exciting. It's thrilling. And it doesn't matter what arena it's in. Music, education. It just doesn't matter. It's something you're passionate about. Something you have a, a knowledge base about. But then you get enlightened. And you're like, oh my, my goodness, this is awesome. Can I write this down? I need to put this in. Can I record this? We're excited. Can you imagine what these guys started doing? When the author of the scriptures... When the speaker of light, when the caller forth of stuff in the sea and on land, when that one began to speak in layman's terms, at a speed they can understand, in a dialect that they could get, probably using a little bit of slang that they understood, began to explain the stuff to them that they only thought they knew. We got from here to there. Let's just let's talk. Let's talk about some things. You guys know what Moses wrote in the beginning. (sighs) Yeah, and he began to teach. And they walked. And I promise, I don't have scripture to back it up. I promise you, they did not interrupt him once. I guarantee you they let the man talk as they walked. And then they started getting closer to the house, and I'm imagining they're starting to drag their feet, you know, because that's just right over there. Oh, man, I just kind of want him to keep going. Dragging their feet, they, they get near to the place. He acted, verse 28, like he was going to go further. All right, all right fellas, well, I uh, guess I'm going to keep on going. I see you're close to home. Just going to... Keep going. And they were like, oh, would, you, would you stay? Would you have a meal with us? It, it's, it's close to evening and you really don't want to be traveling at night. We, we, we would love to have you stay with us. So we went in to stay with them. Verse 29, then verse 30. I, I just I found this interesting. When he was at table with them... He took the bread. Now, I've had opportunity to eat with a number of people in my lifetime, and, and, and it's, you know, with, specifically within my adult life, lifetime. 
And I've sat at a lot of tables, and most of the time I'll sit at a table, and I, I'll wait to sit down because I don't want to sit in Daddy's chair. You know, Daddy has a chair at the table. I don't want to presume upon that, so I'll just sort of, you know, meander and wait till they say, well, look, sit down. I'm like, okay, but where's where Daddy's spot? Daddy don't have spots. Sit wherever you want to. Okay, fine. We got that. And, and, and one thing I'm not going to do is when they all sit down at the table, I'm not going to start passing stuff around. If the if the bird is laying there, it's a special occasion. I'm not going to presumptively pick up the, the carving utensils and go, boy, this is beautiful. Let's get, I'm just not going to do that. Why? Ain't my house. Not my table. I'm a guest. Jesus sat at the table and reached and grabbed the bread. And you go, but he's a guest. Maybe, but from his point of view, it's all his. And he reached out and grabbed, and you know what? I don't think any of either of those folks did. I don't think either of them folks who were walking with him looked and, and got a, a, a twist in their, in their look. I don't think they felt, I think they just watched him after they'd been listening to him say stuff they'd never imagined and heard before. And they're like, of course, take the bread, bless that stuff. He reached and he grabbed the bread. Now, whether or not these two were sitting on the hillside when 5,000 plus folks were fed with bread or 4,000 folks plus were fed with bread or if they'd just been sitting around a fire one night when he taught as a, a, a possible Messiah in their mind. But when he took those pieces of bread and he blessed it and he broke it, their eyes were opened. And for a split second, they realized who it was. I mean, I mean, it's, you've heard of an aha moment, right? I can't imagine one better than this. They're just, I don't know who this guy is, but he can stay as long as he, what? And as soon as they realized who it was, he was gone. Now. Now they got to do something, right? They started their journey in Jerusalem with, with cloudy minds and confused hearts, but now things have been clarified. Things have gotten a whole lot clearer. And things that were first bizarre and unimaginable have come in plain view. There he is. I know who he is, and he's gone. They said to each other, verse 32, And didn't our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened up to us the Scriptures? And they rose that same hour. Now, what, what was one of the things that they had said to Jesus about why he didn't need to keep going? Because it was late, it was dark, it was dangerous. Same was true for them. And it was probably hours later for them to prepare the food and sit down and see who he was. It's way past traveling time. But in their minds, they were like, 
Okay, he's alive, and he just poofed out of here. So apparently he can poof in and poof out however he wants to. Got nothing to worry about. Let's walk in the darkness and just be delighted with the opportunity. I don't care who bandits in the way. I'm going to tell them about what I just seen. We got to go. They returned that hour to Jerusalem. They found the eleven, those who were with them, gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Now, here's a picture. Guys running to Jerusalem, back to where the eleven and others are gathered. They come into the door and they go, You're never gonna. And, and they stop them. They go, The Lord's risen. Peter saw him. And they're like, Talk about a letdown. We were excited about that. We just walked with him like seven miles. He sat and ate, but oh well, I guess the cat's out of the bag. They recognize that Jesus is alive. Things are starting to change with those who knew him as Messiah, who mourned him as the one executed, but are now beginning to rally in a big way because they're seeing him alive. But the big takeaway from this section, beyond the fact that he really is risen, is that to rightly understand the Scripture, you have got to see the person of Jesus secretly woven into it all. Now, don't fall into the trap of allegorizing everything in the Old Testament as just a a, a story that was supposed to look like Jesus. You, You can't do that. If it's an allegory, the text will indicate that. But what you've got to recognize is that Messiah and His work is woven all the way through the, the story of humanity as revealed by God Himself. And He's not mentioned in many places, yet He's still a part And those types and shadows, those figures and those those things that we see in the lives of real people in the Old Testament are all a part of the inner workings of God's eternal and holy plan to bring about redemption to His creation that He loves but is broken entirely by sin. That's why the teachers of the law missed it. Because they were trying to categorize two different things. In fact, they had in a lot of respects taught the people that there were two individuals that would bring about Israel's redemption. A suffering servant and a king messiah. They were so confused. They were so upside down. And Jesus, what he did was he said, come, come here, y'all sit down. Watch, I'm about, I'm about to start connecting dots. You see, remember this? He said this, that's connected to this. And this, and that, and this. And as he's connecting all those dots, what those two were beginning to see was, oh, this, this has been about you the whole time. Like, absolutely, bingo. That's why they missed it. But I'm letting you understand so that you get it. And then you can do what I'm going to ask you to do with it. Scripture is interpreted 
And you're going to read the Old Testament because you're going to study your Bible and you're going to learn and you're going to stick with it. And, and you need to understand as you read whatever you read, you need to see it through the lens of God the Son because He's there. It's all about Him. But not only Scripture's interpreted, minds are open. As they were talking about these things, verse 36, Jesus himself stood among them, poofed out of the house, poofed into the room. Now, I don't know if it was smoke. I don't know if it was the squiggly lines like Scooby-Doo. Or maybe they just, he was just standing. I don't know how it worked, but I just know he wasn't there, and the door didn't open, and the window wasn't allowed, and there wasn't a trap door, and there was Jesus. He just stood there among them. And here's what he said. Peace to you. Your kids ever scare you? I got, I, got a, I got a son who delights in scaring me. He's the smallest one of my children. Yet he delights in standing in the closet or around the corner. And I come around the corner and stepping out and, and, and spooking me. I promise you, I will get him one day. That might be well into the future when it's his own house. And after I've unloaded all of his weapons, I might just get my revenge. Nevertheless, when he scares me like that, what I don't want him to say is, Peace, Dad. I want him to get out of my way before I push you on the floor. <laughs> Jesus scared these guys to death. Why? Because they weren't expecting him to be there. And then all of a sudden he's, Hey, y'all, Peace. And their hearts are leaping and flopping and their nerves are on edge. They were startled, verse 37, and frightened and thought he was a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? Why do your doubts arise in your hearts? And here's what he does. He says, see my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. A spirit doesn't have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy. This is not like a rebellious, hard-hearted disbelief. You ever got something that you just could, you can't, I just can't believe this. You know, the publisher's clearinghouse guy shows up with the balloons and the big old check. And the folks are just like, what? I just can't believe this, you know. That's what we're talking about. They, they could, they just... It's just too much. We can't process all this. I can't believe this is actually happening. They were for, they were, they disbelieved for joy and were marveling. And he said to them, Do any of you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate before them. Verse 44 then says, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me and the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. When Jesus says these things, this is a summarization, I believe, of what he's going to do over the next 40 days. I believe that's when Jesus is going to teach his disciples. He's going to answer their questions. He's going to help them understand how the dots fit together. 
the things that he began to teach those two on the road to the village, Jesus is going to expand. Now, he's not going to answer all their questions. He's not going to make them understand everything completely. But he is going to help them understand their Bible. Because their Bible didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, all the way to Revelation. Their Bible included the law, the prophets, and the writings, the Psalms, the Proverbs, the poetry. Jesus was teaching them and helping them understand how they were going to use the Hebrew Bible in order to tell the Hebrew people about the Messiah that had come and why the things happened that happened were all a part of God's plan from the beginning. So Jesus brought them together and he taught them. And then verse 45 reveals what has to happen for any of this to make sense to anyone. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He gave them a bunch of information. He threw a bunch of stuff at them they'd never understood. But now they're beginning to, to, to hear things they'd never heard before. And Jesus supernaturally opens their minds so that it makes sense. You're going to get frustrated when you try to talk theologically about these words with someone who's not a believer. Now, if God's drawing them, you'll recognize that and you'll take God's word and plant the seed that's speaking to the thing that, that he's stirring in them. But if you start talking about stuff that's complex, they're going to look at you and they're going to go, you really believe that? I mean, seriously, does that really make sense to you? Because it's not going to make sense to them. You know why? Because their minds are closed. Their hearts are dark. They're dead in their sins. But when they by faith believe the gospel, when they by faith trust what God has provided for them in forgiveness and salvation, they'll receive the person of the Holy Spirit and He will open their minds and it will just simply make sense. Not all the fine nuances of of, well, I think it's a, a full body baptism. Well, I think enough water to cover your head's enough. Or is it juice? Or is it wine? Or is it Sundays or Saturdays? All that kind of stuff, God, I think, enjoys watching us argue about if we do it kindly. But the big overarching message makes sense. And we get to where even when we can't Figure out how to put it together. He's opened our mind to understand what he says. And that is that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will remain forever. And we're able to get up from it and go, I got no idea what he's talking about there, but I believe it and I trust it and I know it fits. Because minds are open to those who trust in Jesus crucified and risen in their place and for their sin. Scripture got interpreted. Minds got opened. And then verse 46. Jesus' ongoing mission gets defined. And he said to them. Thus it is written. That the Christ should suffer. And on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins 
should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. Beginning in Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father, the Holy Spirit, upon you. But stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. The crucifixion and the resurrection of Messiah has always been God's plan for providing salvation and forgiveness from eternity past. He knew that's how he was going to provide reconciliation for those of his creation, which he loves but are broken beyond repair. The death and resurrection of God the Son has always been his plan. Repentance. The change of mind, the turning toward the gospel and embracing it, except receiving it and, 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 and having it as your own. Repentance is the faith door through which all human beings walk into God's forgiveness and salvation if, in fact, they will. This is the message of hope. It's the good news to all nations. And guess what, church? We have witnessed these things too. You say, I wasn't there. Yes, you were. You've been there for the last 70 plus weeks witnessing what eyewitnesses saw and, and that text has been transmitted throughout the centuries. The consistency of those transmissions is so astronomically accurate that there is no other work in history uh, 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 literary that even touches what the scripture is it's undeniable unless you watch the history channel and they'll deny it all the time but if we apply all the rules we've got eyewitness testimony you've been a witness to it I've been a witness to it hopefully you've stepped through the door of faith and repentance and you've embraced Jesus as your Savior and Lord and guess what now you and I have the continuing responsibility to carry that message in any way we can to the nations because that's their hope that's the good news and we have the responsibility to carry it it's a clear mission. It's defined. But lastly, we see a, a, a small summary before Luke transitions to volume 2. He says in verse 50, Then he led them out as far as Bethany, just over the Mount of Olives, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And look at verse 52. And they worshipped him. These guys went from followers to disciples to friends to fugitives to worshipers. I like the way Thomas, one of the twelve, when he saw the hands and feet of his Lord, he looked into his eyes and he said, My Lord and my God. They probably didn't understand how it all worked, but they knew to whom worship was due. And as good Israelites, they knew that there was one God, and only one, and him you will serve.
And we will. And we're going to worship him. And that's exactly what they did. Their king. Their Lord. The victorious one. They saw him ascend, having been given instructions. This group of nobodies was now convinced that he was who he said he was. And those guys were about to be empowered And they were going to stand up against whatever came their way. That's the vein in which you and I continue if we are followers of Jesus. The worship of, dependence on, and obedience to Jesus the King is how we are to live right now in 2022, 3, 4, 5, 6, however many years we have Until he returns, dependence on, worship of, and obedience to our king. I love the words of the hymn. Oh, worship the king, all glorious above, and gratefully sing his wonderful love, our shield and defender. The ancient of days, pavilioned in splendor and girded with praise. Frail children of dust, feeble as frail, in thee do we trust, nor find thee to fail. Your mercies, how tender, how firm to the end, our maker Defender, Redeemer, and Friend. And all of Oasis Church said, Amen. Stand with me if you will. Today's message is entitled, Not the End. It's not the end. It's it's a launch pad of which the book of Acts will continue if you will follow it. And I encourage you. Some things to remember before we pray. Each of the four Gospels, number one, each of the four Gospels is unique in purpose. It's unique and deserves our regular attention. So church, read the Gospels often. And read them all. Because we need that continual reminder of who our king is. Number two, each of the four gospels provides equal portraits of Savior, sacrifice, salvation. We get that. We see that and we proclaim that all the time. But it equally shows king, kingdom, and victory. Yes, he is our Savior. Yes, He is our sacrifice. But church, listen up. He is our king victorious. Number three. Yes, the Savior was crucified in our place and for our sin to provide salvation for all who by faith will believe. But at the same time, the king is raised victorious His subjects have clear instructions and He is returning to establish His kingdom here.
We've got a job to do, and He is coming. And lastly, the book of Acts would be a great place for you to pick up the story in your own personal devotion time and watch how the things that Luke showed us about the Savior continued on in the lives of those who were called to be his representatives. And when you get to the book of Acts, understand it doesn't end there because you and I continue the story. Let us be as convinced and empowered and convicted over what we believe as those who died for their faith. And if you're here today and don't know Jesus as Savior, I don't know what else to tell you. He loves you. He gave his all for you. And he rose from the dead to prove it was enough. If you take him, he will receive you and save you, forgive you, give you a, a, a new life, his life, a, a new future, and a new destiny for today. Trust Jesus. Christian, follow him, follow him, follow him, follow him. Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. We praise his name. We worship him today. He's worthy of our praise. God, I thank you for Luke. I thank you for his faithfulness, and I thank you that you used him to record such a beautiful, beautiful letter to a guy we don't even have any idea who he was, Theophilus. But I have a sneaking suspicion that both of those fellas are in your presence this very moment. To look forward to meeting those guys one day. We thank you for what we've learned about your son. We ask that you will help us put him into the center of our view. Put all other pursuits in the rear view. And run long and hard after your son. God, I pray that you'll use Oasis Church in this school year that's just around the corner to be a witness and a herald of those things that you have provided for all who will trust by faith. God, we've got circumstances and, and problems and things that are a challenge for us. And we pray that, uh, that you will help us to meet them with grace and with confidence in your presence. Father, as we pause for just a second, Scotty, come here. If, if you have been a part of our youth ministry as a leader, if you are here as a brother, if you know this guy, if you have been um, uh, privileged to know him from a little guy up, and you're a dude, I want you to come up here on the stage and I want you to join us. If, if you fall into that category and you're a lady, I want you to find his mama right over there. And I want you to put your hands on her shoulders. I want you to gather around. Y'all know who you are. If, if, if you know who these folks are and you've been a part of these lives, and I want you to come up here without, with, without shame. Our little brother Scott, he's going in the Coast Guard. I didn't even know you liked to swim. 
<clears throat> he's going into the Coast Guard and he's leaving today. To, well, you, you're leaving from church today. Come on, help me out, man. <laughs> he is leaving tomorrow. He's going to be gone for eight weeks of basic, then four months of training, and then, well, the government probably don't even know where he's going to go from there. He's going to go somewhere. Scotty, I have watched God do things in your life from the time you were little. I've seen it happen, okay? And, and you're, not a, you're not a perfect kid. You and I both know that, right? <laughs> you don't have it all together, and you've been in and out, right? But guess what? So have I. Everybody that's standing on this stage, if they know Jesus, they've been up and down and all around in their walk with him. The one thing that's, that's consistent with all of us is that when we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. And he, he don't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. Um, you, you have no idea what you're going to face in this upcoming chapter. You're like, you just don't know. You don't know the guys you're going to be around. You don't know the, 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 the leaders that you're going to have. There's all kinds of circumstances. You just don't know. Um, and, and, and you're... You're not going to always make the right decisions. There's two things I want you to know. Number one, Jesus is there with you. I remember baptizing you right out there in that, in that hot tub. I know you know the Lord is your Savior. Follow Him. Follow Him. Follow Him. But He won't ever leave you. And the second thing I want you to know is that you are us, and we're your family, and you'll always be one of us. You, you already make us proud, so you just go keep doing what you've been doing for the Coast Guard, and, and we'll brag about you while you're gone. How about that? Is that okay? Yes, sir. And your mama's going to be okay, because we're here for her, too. All right, let's pray. Father God, we love Scotty. We love his family. We are thankful for the, uh, the opportunity that we've had over a number of years to just walk with him from a little guy. When we got here as a little guy, and we've watched him grow and mature. Um, we, we personally, in our house, have, have seen him play all the different stuff from toys to games to basketball in, in our own home. And you know in my heart, Father, he's one of mine. I know his brothers feel the same way. God, I ask that you'll protect him. I ask that you will use him as a light. He's already got some training. You're gonna, you're gonna, I, I just got a feeling you're going to put him in a place of, of leadership. And I pray that you'll show him how to lead with grace, to lead with honor, and to lead as a servant of yours. I pray that you'll give him a, a work ethic that will not be rivaled in his company. I pray that you will give him um, the wherewithal to know that he's got to stay in your word. And then, Father, I pray that you'll just use him in a powerful way as, uh, as he goes to serve our nation. I pray that his number one service will be to you. Pray for Renee, and, and God, I just ask that you'll be with Hannah as they go through the grief of watching him go. Give them the grace and the strength that they need. 
Help them to know that uh, he's in good hands, always has been. And so are they. We look forward to all the things that you're going to do through their family as we continue to serve you as faithfully as we know how. And we look forward to what you're going to do in and through all of us for your glory as we raise up the name of your son by the power of your spirit. We love you. We trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.